We'll bring Pastor Nils up now. Thank you, Nate, for leading us uh, in worship today. You know, as I was thinking about what Pastor Esther shared, um, and then also uh, that song about No Longer a Slave to Fear, uh, it just kind of made me think about how uh, it is uh, incredibly difficult and uh, scary to ask those deeper questions like, man, is my, is my view of our, my Heavenly Father God, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, skewed uh, or affected too much or influenced too much or, I can't think of a word right now, um, in relation to my biological father, right? I think it's a pretty hard question to ask, and I've personally done some of that work, and it's not easy. And uh, and then during you know worship time when he was singing that song, I just thought about how uh, these are the things that God gives us the courage to do. It's not just uh, what we think sometimes these outward things of man, I'm going through a hard time, but it's some of these other harder things we're going to have to face. Uh, last night I listened to this song for the first time from Elevation Worship and. Uh, Maverick City Music called Million, Million Little Miracles. And during worship today, I just thought, man, sometimes we pray for that one big miracle. But if you look over the course of your life, hasn't it been a million little miracles? And it's just as powerful as one big miracle. miracle. And so for someone listening today, that's for you, whether you're listening to this later in the week on a drive or in a moment of free time, I just want to tell you God's got a million little miracles for you. And I've experienced that in my life, and that is the story of following Jesus. Uh, well, today I want to continue our series on cultural tensions. Uh, I haven't gotten much feedback from you on this, so I'm not sure if you've just canceled us. We're talking about cancel culture today. Uh, or if you're just pondering deeply these things we've talked about. I try not to use my opportunity to uh, speak with you each week. Uh, I try not to use that as an opportunity for a soapbox moment, but we're all biased. I have my own uh, influences. I have my own hurts from the past that obviously are part of shaped who I am today. I have my own theological beliefs as well. And so I'm trying to do my best each week not to make you feel like you're listening to uh, one of the pundits or something. Uh, but I do want to talk about cancel culture. With uh, our uh, teaching team, we kind of came together and said, okay, what do we want to talk about? And... Uh, this came up, you know, cancel culture is a part of our culture. It's in the national news. It's probably going on dialogues in your family, um, uh, on your social media. You're seeing these things just like I am. And so what happens is we have a celebrity, uh, a politician. We have uh, maybe even like a CEO or corporate leader, uh, a minister. Uh, they say something that's a incredibly offensive, offensive to uh, society to the public and there's an outcry and then uh, we no longer give them the, our support we cancel them sometimes they'll get fired uh, if they're a celebrity they may get fired from a show a TV show or a network or something um, I guess uh, they could get unfollowed on social media um, or harassed on social media this is what happens in ca cancel culture I'm gonna give you uh, two quick things I want to read here about cancel culture to kind of set the stage for how we can respond as believers. Uh, so this is from dictionary.com and it's pop culture dictionary, okay? 
It defines cancel culture as withdrawing support for public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Okay? I think you can, we kind of know what this is. Uh, but here's an interesting kind of perspective on this um, that I think is, could be helpful too as we uh, go to Scripture here in a second and how to respond. Uh, this is from an article actually on Vox.com, and I can send it to you later if you want it. This writer says this, The idea of canceling began as a tool for marginalized communities to assert their values against public figures who retained power and authority even after committing wrongdoing. But in its current form, we see how warped and imbalanced the power dynamics of the conversation really are. All along, debate about cancer culture has obscured its roots in a quest to attain some form of meaningful accountability for public figures who are typically answerable to no one. But after centuries of ideological debate turning over questions of free speech, censorship, and in recent decades, political correctness, it was perhaps inevitable that the mainstreaming of cancel culture would obscure the original concerns that canceling was meant to address. Now, it's another hyperbolic phrase with a larger culture war. Well, that's a, that's a mouthful, earful, something for you to think about. But there's something going on there as cancel culture has become more mainstream. Now we have a lot of public figures attacking cancel culture. Uh, what probably started as trying to have accountability for these public leaders that do things, and you just can't say whatever you want or hurt people, and to re recognize that if you're in a position where you're receiving the public support and you do things that are now hurt that, well, there's going to be a consequence there. Uh, actually, some have said, LeVar Burton actually said that we should change it from cancel culture to consequence culture. Maybe that would be more helpful. Well, here's a question I've been asking, uh, and this is a question from Andy Stanley, one of my favorite questions he asks, uh, that I'm asking you to consider in all of these kind of difficult cultural topics. One, and here's the question, what does love require of me? What does love require of me with cancel culture. Uh, what do we need to consider to contemplate before God when we're faced with this issue of canceling somebody uh, or others canceling people and how we kind of view that, okay? Uh, if you stick with me on this one, I'm going to look at a, a passage of Scripture. This is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9, common story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9, this is the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, so, in a kind of a roundabout way, I'm going to kind of bring this all together as I kind of typically do, so stick with me, okay? Um, the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus, we know Zacchaeus is a tax collector, is kind of rejected by the Jewish people because he is someone that has taken advantage of his own people, okay? Uh, he's put in a position of power and authority from uh, the Roman government to collect taxes, and tax collectors would take a little extra, okay? And he's pretty wealthy, and so he's been taking a lot extra from his own people, and so there's a uh, kind of, he's kind of become the enemy in his own culture and his own from his own people. And I want to read this story today and consider just how Jesus interacted with someone who was uh, canceled, or should have been canceled, uh, by his his own people. And then I want to kind of bring this around to cancer cancel culture in our society and how we, the body of Christ, could possibly respond to that. Uh, so let me read this. Uh, this is again Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9, the story of Zacchaeus. So Jesus entered Jericho, a place that was uh, catered to the rich and wealthy. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5, Jesus reaches the spot, and he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I want to come home stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, of course, right? He has gone be to the guest of a sinner. They don't like this guy. Why would Jesus? Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and says to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus never asked him to do that, by the way. He just does it. And Jesus says this, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that what was lost. Let's think about Jesus here for this for a few moments. Um, the response of the people was just criticism, which our culture does. Uh, I'm a, actually, I'm a very critical person, something I'm working through. Uh, a man, a local person, that easily turns into criticism. But uh, the response of the people was criticism to this offender, the sinner, the enemy, right? And it's the natural, I think, response we've all experienced when someone in a, a public capacity, a minister, a celebrity, politician, CEO or something, uh, does things that are just easily can be criticized, right? But one of the things I love about what Jesus does as he shows his model here is Jesus never loses sight of the value of the person. Jesus never loses sight of the value of this one person. Uh, Zacchaeus has a title. He is backed by the authority of a government. You can just say Zacchaeus is the government. Let's say that. Uh, also, Zacchaeus is in a crowd, right? We have a a crowd of people here. We also recognize that uh, Zacchaeus comes from this Jewish culture, and so we have these Jewish people that are against him. For Jesus, he just doesn't let the crowd, he doesn't let the other titles or identifiers uh, block out the value of the person. And it just like struck me as I read this passage that uh, the people that responded to what Jesus was doing in verse 7, I mean, they couldn't do that. They lost the value of this one human being, of this one person. Secondly, I also think it's pretty powerful, and this thing that I love about Jesus, and, you know, Nate talked, was saying about fear this morning, and it's just like, Jesus was not scared of what society thought of him. You know, I'll use the word influence. That's what I wrote down here, is Jesus wasn't influenced by you know, greater society and what they thought of him. He was okay to be rejected. He was okay to disagree. He was okay to go to the house of a sinner, no matter what anybody else says. I'm a people pleaser. I worry about what people think. Jesus wasn't influenced by society and what they thought. And I would say it this way. He wasn't in influenced by the values of society. The values of the mob were not Jesus' values. Uh, society never decided his choices. Uh, something different. Third in this is there's a power dynamic here. Uh, Zacchaeus is powerful and wealthy. Uh, in addition, Jesus is powerful, isn't he? Jesus has a position of power, doesn't he? He's Jesus. But he uses his power uh, not for his advancement, but he uses his power for others. Just think about Jesus' power in this moment. What he used for Zacchaeus we don't know that Jesus did any physical miracles. 
I think he did a, one of those million little miracles in this passage. He just came over to the house of a sinner. A million little miracles. His power that Jesus offers is his presence, his voice, and we can see it's pretty impactful uh, because Zacchaeus wants to make up all that he did wrong. Can you imagine someone who gets canceled in our culture saying, yeah, you're right, I, I, let me pay back all that I did wrong or let me make up for it, let me do this or that. That never happens. And it's interesting if you look at some of this, for most people that get canceled in our culture, it's temporary consequence. They get right back into it. <laughs> Nobody takes their money, right? I mean, they already made all this money from these people they hurt. They're not giving that back. Do you see what I'm saying? At some point, uh, they don't really make amends. They just kind of hope people forget, and you know how we are. We will forget. It'll be something else, right? Let me go over this again. Jesus never lost the sight of the value of the person. Uh, Jesus wasn't influenced or he wasn't scared by the values of society. And Jesus just used his power for other, his abilities, presence, voices, healing. So as we respond to cancel culture today, I don't want this to be a debate on if you should be pro-cancel culture or against. See, that's the debate that's going on in our national news and our society of like, okay, these people are canceling people, but then like, we don't like cancel culture, so then now we're going to go after cancel culture. And it's like, maybe there's a little different way here, okay? I'm asking you today is when you have the conversation about cancel culture, which I'm sure is happening, or it will happen when the next person that gets canceled. Like, is this okay? No, I don't like this. This is wrong. Uh, first and foremost is to figure out a way to empathize with the hurt party. Um, if this is in case really is about power dynamics and keeping people accountable uh, that have hurt people in some way that are an oppressed minority community or culture, I just think that we've got to empathize in some way uh, with that uh, oppressed minority culture group. When you have that conversation, do you walk away thinking, okay, I won that argument, or do you feel like it was right or wrong, or did you somehow express empathy? You don't have to agree with someone and what they did to express empathy. Uh, I also would encourage you to somehow figure out a way to empathize, and this is some ways harder maybe, to empathize with the person being canceled. It is so hard to go with the, the mob right, and have no empathy <laughs> for that politician, for that celebrity, for that minister. Um, it's just hard to have empathy for that person. I get it. But Jesus never loses sight of the value of the person. It doesn't matter if it's the oppressor or the oppressed. That's so challenging to me. Empathize with that person that's been canceled too. I know it's hard, but if we can figure out how to empathize, then that's us following the way of Jesus and the values that Jesus lived his life with. We have to also remember that this isn't really about voices not being heard. And if we as the church can be a place where people can be heard, oh man, that could be a, an opportunity for us to be like Jesus. Uh, secondly, I want you to be careful as your pastor. I try to give you some warnings in life, I guess. Uh, I want you to be careful of uh, to evaluate really what society determines is right and wrong. Be real careful. If we just go with what society and culture and our government decides what's 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 what's, in wrong, what's right and wrong, uh, we are going to be no longer followers of Jesus in His way. There's some things that are happening in culture I totally agree with. 
talked about racism a couple weeks ago. Great. Maybe some things in our politics are happening. You totally agree with them. Great. But we must never let those values and what they say is right and wrong take the place of what we are searching and seeking as followers of the way of Jesus. What I mean by that is, listen, it's always changing. You can say right now on your social media, if you're a celebrity, a politician, position of authority, a pastor, you can say things now and get canceled. But 10 years ago, you could have said the same thing and not get canceled. Okay. So we have to be really, really careful that we don't just say what's wrong based on what our society says is wrong. I call you as followers of Jesus to search the scriptures, to not only respond uh, with how they redefine what is right and wrong, but to really seek scripture, but also to ponder and pray and be an aware person. As you ponder your own sin, it's gonna, it's, it'll make you more humble. Um, we also have to remember is that Culture, society, the mob, government, uh, you know, they're redefining sin as that which is offensive. Okay? Just be careful with that one. Uh, I've also found that our culture is redefining what is offensive as what is caught on video. It's just the nature of us. We watch a video, and it's more impactful than reading a story. It's just how we are. We could read a story, an article, a news article, but then we actually see it? It's something totally different. And I don't define sin as what is offensive to others merely. Uh, I look at sin from the context of there's God, there's me, and there's people. Okay, And I don't want to define sin without God in the picture. And so you want to be really, really careful when our society is defining, God, uh, sorry, defining sin and right and wrong without God in the picture. Okay, I don't have a 30 an hour to go over like a discussion on sin here, but just be careful with this one. Um, I look at uh, sin in terms of like what is loving God with all my heart and what's not, and what is loving my neighbor uh, in the same way. And so to me, that's kind of where sin comes from, those pieces. And so it's not just what is offensive for our culture. I have to consider God too, because there's some things going on right now in people's lives that are not offensive to our culture, but is absolutely sinful. There's things happening in your home, you know, that nobody's going to cancel you on, but it's not healthy. It's not good for you, and God wants to free you from that. Does that make sense? Okay. Hope they haven't lost you yet. Uh, promise I'm going to bring this home at the end. Uh, third, I want you to consider that you would talk less about what society should do, but rather you should do. I just love this about what Jesus, he just lives it out. You and I can debate all day long about what society should do, what government should do, in this, in that, in this. Listen, don't answer for the government. Don't answer for what culture and the mob and society should do. That's a trap. You answer for yourself. Can you be loving in that? Can you use your power to show up? Can you use your power to be a voice? Can you use your power for the oppressed? Don't get caught in that trap of what our government should do. I'm telling you, that's not your voice from heaven. Uh, you know, talk about how God's convicted you and how you live and how you are neighborly to those around you. Uh, last thing is acknowledge your limits. Um, and I wonder if instead of canceling people, we should just set better boundaries. Why do we give these people in power so much opportunity to hurt us? It's just a way to do it. Um, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing there. But just consider maybe instead of canceling so-and-so uh, that you really disagree with what they said or whatever, can you set a boundary? Don't read their thing every week. Okay, maybe you don't watch their show, Okay. So just acknowledge that you have limits in that too. 
so should you cancel people? Yes and no, right? I mean, the idea is I want you to come from a, uh, from a, a Christian perspective. So let me say three more things, and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll close here. I believe that it's the work of Jesus transforming our lives that we would be, love, be able to love our enemies. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said to love our enemies. We're at work, and you are too, uh, to be able to love our enemies. Not easy to do. But I also recognize that, man, I can't love everybody right now in my life. I'll give you an example. I was raised in Texas, born and raised. Um, so I grew up with a co Confederate flag uh, being sold in gas station corners kind of thing. I grew up where there's Confederate flag bumper stickers on people's trucks, okay, in my hometown. Um, whenever I see a Confederate flag, uh, I feel fear, okay? Whenever I see a Confederate flag being sold at a gas station, this is growing up, or actually it doesn't happen here in Oregon, but for sure in Texas. When I see, you know, vendors, you know, take a kind of corner of the gas station and sell flags, and one of them is a Confederate flag, if I need gas, do you know what I do? I keep driving to go find another gas station that's not selling a Confederate flag on their parking lot. I want to really be able to love that guy selling the Confederate flag. Right now I can't. I want to really be able to still go get gas there and it'd be fine. But right now I can't. So what do I do? Avoid every single Confederate flag and uh, let whoever's driving a, a truck with a Confederate bumper sticker by and just, well, no. But I'm, I just do what I can. I've got limits. And those things can be painful for me. Okay? I share that story with you to recognize that, listen, I'm not telling you to love your enemies and then just let it be. I'm saying this is a challenge. And what I'm challenging you with is this is the idea to love our enemies. The, but the real work of it is to take what's in our hearts and to bring it to Jesus. I have prayed that God would help me to love uh, and be able to stand there and get gas when someone's on a Confederate flag staring at me. Okay, I bring that to Jesus. Whatever your issue may be, whatever the issue that needs to be canceled is our culture beliefs, I don't know where you're at, and it's okay to not be able to do that. Let's be honest. It's not okay to never ask God to help you to free you from that. It's not okay to bring all of you to Jesus and to just trust him. Maybe one of my million little miracles is this changing in my life. Uh, I don't know what that could be for you. Secondly, I want to remind you, Jesus got canceled. Jesus got canceled by culture and society, by government, and his best buddies. Jesus got canceled by everybody. And so he kind of has walked the road of this, a painful road. And Jesus also, like in this example, was able to love his enemies. And he forgave you, right? This is, you see this paradox happening in what Jesus does. He's our model, church. Uh, you're not, maybe not a celebrity like I am, okay? Uh, you may not be a politician or whatever, and I had to face cancel culture. But at some point, shouldn't we all get canceled? But by the grace of God, Jesus doesn't cancel us. 
the last thing I want to share with you today is just to consider that within church, uh, we got cancel culture. Forget celebrities for a second. Forget politicians. Forget that corporate CEOs doing shady things. Uh, you could make the argument that the church invented cancel culture. You could. You could trace it through history of how the church has reacted to sinful behaviors and actions of others. You could. It's not pretty, okay? So before we uh, have this, this public debate, I would like you to consider what's cancel culture like in our own church community? General church across America, we don't do really well when someone confesses sin. We really don't. When someone gets a divorce in church, it's not pretty. They don't want to come to church anymore. We look at them weird. We don't want to talk about it. When there's confession of sin, for sure. When there's things they're struggling with. When maybe someone and their kids are struggling with something. Listen, we're not good at this as believers. And so I leave that with you today to challenge you to not just get caught up in the public debate, but to consider how we treat others even in our own community. And I don't know how to evaluate that in our own church. I don't know. Maybe you feel canceled by me in some ways or something or judged by me. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say here as I kind of wrap this up is it's so easy for us to keep a debate way over there about somebody what somebody else is doing. And I want to call you church today to consider even in our own church community what we've done to people who are not like us who struggle with sin that we don't struggle with, that has been broken by this broken world. We all are broken by this broken world. But how we as a community react to that, is it like Jesus would? Does it value the person? Does it really, are our values really influenced by Jesus and his word? Or is it by culture? Church culture is its own thing. Church culture can be so strong in how we reject others. Just think about that for a second. So I just want to pray and just maybe uh, lead us in some repentance. The people you've canceled, you know, and you've just jumped to the criticism bandwagon. Maybe in some repentance on, you've jumped on the censorship bandwagon so you're so anti-cancel culture, you know. Maybe even just not considering what's going on people in your own life that we're trying to see the value of them no matter what and we've had a hard time doing that. To recognize that our leader was canceled, you know, our Lord was canceled, and that we all carry sin and we all could be canceled too. So I'm going to just lead us in repentance, uh, this prayer time. And this is an opportunity for you to send me an email about all your sins. No, this is not. This is a time that I try to call you to often. Just come to Jesus. And to talk with them about these things and just to be open with him. You don't have to be honest with everybody in your life. Just be honest with God as a starting point. Totally honest. Father, right now, we just come to you, Lord. I'm so convicted in a good way by the incredible love you have for your enemies, for people that say crazy things about you, who don't have your values, who do awful things. It challenges me, Lord. And so, Father, right now, I just want to lead our church and repentance of being so quick to cancel people because of their sin and losing sight of our own. Father, forgive us for not empathizing with the oppressed and the oppressor. 
Father, forgive us for walking away from conversations, uh, wondering if we were right or wrong. Forgive us for that, God. I pray that people would walk away from us feeling heard, feeling like someone understood, feeling like someone had empathy for them. Jesus, would you do a, a million little miracles in life? Would you do this little miracle for our community? That we'd repent, we'd come to you, and then, Lord, you would turn our hearts and our, our attention towards the value of people that you have put on them. Help us, Father, to be careful uh, as we try to reconcile what is really sinful and offensive. Help us to be a loving people. And, Father, right now, I just want to uh, admit that uh, I'm not exactly sure how our community has handled this within our community. If someone in our community feels judged or not loved or canceled in some way, Lord, forgive me as a leader. And forgive us for doing so. God, I don't know how to do this, honestly, in a lot of ways. This is so challenging to me personally. But, Father, I trust you. I come to you, Lord. I need your help, and we need your help. Uh, I pray, Lord, as a community, Lord, that we would be better at um, not following the way of canceling people and canceling uh, and ostracizing people in our community who confess sin, who get a divorce, who do all these other things that are, all of us do because we're sinners. Lord Jesus, give our people a humble attitude. I pray we'd be filled with your spirit to be able to be a witness of your love, of your embrace, and of your incredible healing, redemptive power that is at work today as much as it was in the past. Lord, we just surrender to you today in Jesus' name. Thanks for praying with me, church. I know that's a hard prayer. I'm gonna invite Nate to do our last closing song in worship, and I would encourage you this week to spend some time and just consider uh, where you're at with God in this, and I would love to have any conversations or feedback from you in regard to this topic as well. I believe love requires of us to be empathetic, uh, to consider the value of people and not lose sight of that, uh, and then to remember, man, this is all about Jesus. Could you follow his model? Bless you, church.